Rabotai, another week, and we're learning the Fuah Shilema Hayasarabat Simcha, and we're starting a new parasha. It is Parashat Korach. And the parasha begins, Vayikah Korach. Now, this parasha is talking about a fellow by the name of Korach, who was actually a first cousin of Moshe. Now, just to get the um, the history, you have over here uh, there was um, just to get the history correct. There was four brothers. There's um, Amram. Amram is the old brother, and then you have a brother called Yitzhar, and then you have and then you have Uziel. These are four major brothers. Again, Amram, who's the father of Moshe. You have Yitzhar, who's the father of Korah. You have Hebron, and then you have Uziel. So what happens is over here is that Amram was the oldest brother, so his son Moshe is the oldest of the cousins, let's say. So he becomes... Uh, the leader. Now Moshe Rabbeinu chooses his brother Aharon to be the Kohen. Now he didn't choose it on his own. God told him to choose it. But Korah felt that he was passed over because he's the next one in line. You see the second brother is Yitzhar and Korah is the son. So he felt that Moshe Rabbeinu was committing nepotism. That he was giving the job to his brother and passing over him. And then when the next job was available to be the head of the tribe, he offered it to uh, Elitzafan. Now Elitzafan was the son of the youngest brother, Uziel. So Korah felt that uh, he was being passed over. Now Korah is wrong in the sense that all these appointments were from God. But nonetheless, Korah is now going to wage a, a, a mutiny against, um, against Moshe Rabbeinu. So it says, Vayikach Korah, Ben Yitzhar, he was the son of Yitzhar, which again is Amram's brother. Ben Kehat, he's the grandson of Kehat. Ben Levi, and he's the great-grandson of Levi. So Korah is from the tribe of Levi, just like Moshe. Now the Pasuk does not tell us that he's the great, great, great grandson of Yaakov Abinu. Yaakov Abinu's name, name is not mentioned here. It means his lineage stops one generation before Yaakov. It says he's the son of Levi. Now, even though Levi was the son of Yaakov, there's no mention of Yaakov because Yaakov Abinu prayed to God that his name not be mentioned with this guy Korah because he knew that Korah was going to do something uh, bad uh, against Moshe. Now it says Korah took something. Korah. Now what did he took? What did he take? Well, first of all, it says he took himself to one side in order to argue and fight against uh, Moshe Rabenu, and he questioned his appointment of Aharon to become the Kohen. So that's what it means. He took himself to one side. Another explanation that she says. He took the heads of the Sanhedrin with him. So it seems that 
caught up besides being a rich person. He was influential and influenced. <laughs> now, the Basuk comes along and says that not only was he able to take the heads of the Sanhedrin, but it says, Vedatam Abiram. Now, who would Datam Abiram? Datam Abiram, we always read about them. Uh, they are the troublemakers that were always fighting against Moshe. They were from the tribe of Reuven. Erebrav. Well, no, not Erebrav at all. They were from the tribe of Reuven. Reuven's not Erebrav. Reuven's a regular tribe. And Datam Abiram was from that tribe. Now, they lived... Uh, when they traveled, the Leviim were next to the Uven. And from here, the rabbis learned a lesson, oy rasha, oy that when you have a bad guy, not only does he bring himself down, but he brings his neighbors down as well. And therefore, because the Uven was the neighbor of Korah, so they got sucked into the Mahloket as well. And uh, Rashi then goes on to tell us Exactly uh, the um, why he had this mahlokit, and he says he started to make fun of the laws of Moshe. I want to give you two examples that uh, she says that Korah did the law that says if you have a talet and a talet has yeah, yeah, yeah. rings, yeah, and you bring um. One second. It's noisier on the Zoom than outside. <laughs> and I have a wedding next door. It's still noisier on the Zoom. Okay. So, yeah, you have the, the, um, the seat. So, I don't know if you ever saw this, but there's seven white strings and one blue string. That blue string is called Tehillet. Now, we don't have that blue string today because we forgot how to make it. But in the olden days, the Talet would have a, a blue string that was referred to as Tehillet. So Korah brought a Talet that the whole garment was made out of Tehillet. It was a totally blue garment. And he asked Moshe in front of all the people, does this garment need strings? Does it need to put the tassels? So Moshe Rabbeinu said, yes, of course, it has corners. So he said, this doesn't make any sense. If you have white strings and one blue string exempts the garment, if the whole garment is blue, why do you need strings at all? Now, it's a silly argument, but he was just trying to make fun. He then wrote another example. He said, does a room full of books need a mezuzah? So Moshe Rabbeinu said, yes, but as a door, it needs a mezuzah. So he said, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> one little parasha, and all these books are so many parashiyot, how does this one little parasha exempt What do you need a mezuzah to exempt a room that's filled with parashiyot? Korah was known as a let. Let means he was able to, to make fun of the Torah, and he got the people all riled up against Moshe using these trick questions, whether it's the question he asked about the Talet or the question he asked about the <coughs> Mezuzah. 
And then he started to say, Moshe Rabbeinu is making up the laws. And just like he's making up the laws, he is making up the appointments. And it says, Vayakumu Moshe. They rose <coughs> up against Moshe. And he got B'nai uh, Israel to join him. How many people? Hamishim umatayim, two hundred and fifty. So he had a nice, uh, a nice group, and these were the heads of the community: Nesir, Eda, Kiriem, Moed, and Sheshem. These were men of, you know, men of uh, statues, but they sided with with Korah. And they assembled over Moshe and Aharon. And their claim is as follows. Rab lachem. Rab lachem means you have more than you deserve. Again, they had no problem with Moshe Rabin, but they felt that Moshe should not have appointed Aharon, his brother. Korach said, I'm the next cousin. I should have got that appointment. His mistake was Moshe did not appoint Aharon. Aharon was appointed by God. So now he says, you have enough all of the people are holy, not just you and your brother. And therefore, we all heard God in Har Sinai. That is an amazing irony. Why do you exalt yourself over the people? Now, the reason why this is an irony, because Moshe is known to be the most humble of all men. And if any claim you would you know, claim against Moshe is not that he's arrogant. I mean, how can you call the most humble of all men arrogant? But that's what Korah was doing. He was saying, Why do you act in an exalted way over the people, which is clearly out of character to Moshe? It just shows how ridiculous the uh, argument of Korah was. But again, because he was influential, because he was rich, uh, the people respected him. And uh, therefore, he was able to get away with it. Anyway, when, when Moshe Rabbeinu heard the claim, So it says he he fell on his face because of the mahloket. Uh, he knew already that this mahloket is not going to be good. And as she says, this was actually the fourth sin that the Jewish people had committed. They committed the sin of the of the golden calf. And then last week's Pirashah, two weeks ago, we read about the mitonenim, that the people were, you know, finding a pretext to argue against God. And then we have the Meragilim, the spies, and now we have Korah. So this was the fourth sin, and he knew that that's already uh, too many times that he's going to have to ask God for forgiveness. And... Uh, so Moshe Rabbeinu, so to speak, became weak. He said, how many times can I go back to God and ask for mercy for these people? So they're committing sin after sin after sin after sin. So this is number four. So he tried to calm everything down. By the Ben El Korah, he speaks to Korah, Ve'el Kol Adato, and his people. And he says, Boket, wait till tomorrow morning. Ve'yoda Hashem et And God will prove who he has chosen. So basically he tells them, wait until the morning. 
uh, I guess it's what we would say, you know what, let's sleep on it. We don't want to make any rash decisions. Take a night, go to sleep, wake up in the morning. And I guess he was trying to delay to see if they were going to um, to keep uh, to keep fighting. So the Pasu comes along and says, What happened the next morning? This is what you're going to do. Take for yourselves fire pans. And take these fire pans. And put a fire. That's why they call it a fire pan. And place the incense on the fire, on the coals. The and tomorrow, tomorrow we'll see whose incense God accepts. If God accepts the incense of Korah, then he's the chosen one. If he doesn't, then we know he's not. So therefore, that was going to be the uh, uh, the plan. Now, So that was what he did. He chose the ketoret, as she says, because that's the most uh, dearest of all the korbanot. Now we know that if you bring the ketoret wrongly, you get punished. You remember who got punished by bringing the ketoret wrongly? The children of Aharon. There we go. So then Moshe Rabbeinu used specifically the ketoret because there's no room for error. If you're going to make a mistake in bringing it, it's going to, it's going to take revenge. So therefore, he said, the one that is chosen, that's the one that his ketorit is going to be accepted. So they took these pans, and she says they have a handle at the end of the pan, and they filled it up with coals. And then Moshe Rebbeinu tells them, Rab lachem Levi, you have enough. And Moshe Rabbeinu gave them a warning. Now, Rashi asks a very, very strong question. It says, Korach was a smart guy. What? And even though we know that he had this issue with Aharon, and he thought he should be the Kohen, but what does he think he to go fight against Moshe? So it says, he saw in the future that there's going to be a great man that's going to come from him. Anybody know the great prophet that came from Korah? Shmuel. That's correct. Shmuel Anavi is right. And we know that Shmuel was such a great prophet. He was equal to Moshe and Aaron combined. And therefore he felt, if I'm such a Sadiq that I'm going to have Shmuel come out of me, so therefore must be I'm more worthy than Aaron. So it's his, it's his lineage that actually uh, motivated him to fight. And therefore he thought that uh, now now you can ask me a question. Did did Shemuel actually come from Korah? Yes. Korah eventually is going to get swallowed in the ground. His so, children, his children are going to make Teshuvah at the last minute. So his children end up becoming Sadiqim, the children of Korah, that is. And Shmuel ends up coming from the children of Korah. So therefore, it's true. 
they came from Korah, but not from him. They came from his children who made Teshuvah. So therefore, his, 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 his Ruach HaKodesh caused him to err. Because he saw that Shemuel's coming out of him, he thought, he's right. But turns out that Shemuel only came out of the descendants of Korah because they made Teshuvah. So therefore, he got, uh, he got fooled by his vision. And anyway, the Pasuk says, Ma'at Mikim, God, Moshe Rabbeinu says, it's not enough that God separated you to be a Levi. You're in charge of the singing in the Bet HaMikdash. You're in charge of the carrying of the Mishkan. Isn't that enough for you? God has brought you uh, close. Because after the firstborns made the sin of the golden calf, God distanced the firstborns and brought the Nevi'im close. And now, you're asking for Kehuna? Basically, what should have been was saying, be happy. Be happy that you're a Levi. Be happy that you're able to serve in the Mishkan. You're able to do things that even the B'nai Israel cannot do. And now you're coming along and saying, you want to be a uh, Kohen? Kohen. He says, indeed, you're not complaining on me. Your complaints are on God himself. Again, your claims are against God. And what do you want from me in Aharon? Aharon Mahu? What do you want from Aharon? Ki talinu alav? Now, Moshe Rabbeinu tried to make peace to try to, you know, diffuse this situation. So he called Datan Ve'aviyam in order to try to make peace and that they, they shouldn't, uh, you know, get involved. And from here, the rabbis learned that you should always try to diffuse Mahloket and not to keep a dispute up. Moshe Rabbeinu was looking to finish it. He wasn't looking to make a mahlokit. So therefore, he went to Datam uh, Aviram um, to, 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 to try to make peace with them. But they, they said, no, lo na'aleh. Now, this is a, um, simply they said, we're not coming up. No, we're not going with you. We're not interested. But our rabbis tell us that you have to be careful. Sometimes God puts the words in your mouth and those words could be used against you. They were telling Moshe, we're not going to come up with you. Meaning, we're staying here. Don't we? We're not interested in, in making peace. We will not come up. It's true. They got swallowed underneath the ground and they never came up. So it's like what they call in uh, America, Freudian slip. <clears throat> they said, we will not come up. And that's exactly what happened to them. They got swallowed in the ground and they were never actually never raised. So now uh, they were very fresh to Moshe and they came along and said that even if you're sending somebody to gouge our eyes out we're still not coming to you. So basically Moshe Rabbeinu called them for a meeting. He said we're not coming to the meeting. Look at these fresh people. They said they refused to come to a meeting with Moshe. And they tell him, even if you gouge our eyes out, we're not coming up to the meeting. So, 
you see that uh, obviously they were not interested in in peace. So the pasuk says, Moshe Rabbeinu became very angry. Again, because they he saw that they weren't able to make peace. And then he makes a, a heartfelt prayer to Hashem. And tomorrow night we're going to see exactly what that heartfelt prayer to Hashem is. And Moshe Rabbeinu actually was going to ask God to punish these people in the most severest of all punishments. We're going to have to figure out why in all the other cases Moshe Rabbeinu always defends the people, but him Moshe Rabbeinu, instead of defending the people, he actually prays to God that he should kill the people. So it's going to be something that we're going to have to see in the coming uh, coming show. Okay. Now we're uh, we're in Parashat Korah, and we're doing this for the Fuah Shelema Sarah Haya, or actually Haya Sarah Batsimha. So where are we? We're in the story of Korah. He's uh, he's waging a, a mutiny against Moshe, and uh, he has he has some support from two hundred and fifty. Um, 150 uh, men of the Sanhedrin. And, uh, he also has support from the Tamba Abiram. Moshe Rabbeinu was very, very angry. That's where we left off at night. And he tells them, tomorrow morning we'll meet. And bring a uh, a pan, a fiery pan, and put the ketoret in the pan. And the um, the one the one that uh, his ketoret gets accepted, so that'll be the one that uh, is chosen. And that's where we left off last night. Right, there has to be a way to mute over here. I'm not such an expert. Okay. Rabbi, what's the story when with the staff that grows the almonds? With that's Aaron? coming up. It's coming up. Okay. Stay tuned. Coming up. Coming up. I'm just trying to mute. How about your videos? The video is off because I'm in my pajamas with all due respect. <laughs> I know that, that'll go viral if I put it on the video. I, have a reputation. I already have that one. You have that one already? Now this is a different pair. All right. Anyway, so Vayomer uh, El Hashem. So Moshe Rabbeinu tells Hashem, Al Tefen El Minhatam. Do not accept their uh, offering. Uh, the tomorrow when they come and bring their um, their minha, their ketoret, don't accept it. Uh, and then it says, Lo Hamod Had Mehim Nasati. Ushidimu starts to make his claim. I never took anything from anybody. I never even took a donkey from these people. Even when I went from Midian, when I came down to Mitzrayim, and I brought my wife and I brought my children uh, on the hamor, on the donkey, it was my own donkey. 
I never asked them for anything. I never took anything from these people. So they can't come along and say that they, they bribed me or I'm, I'm prejudiced because I took something. I never took anything. I never wronged any of these people as well. You and all your people, tomorrow morning you'll stand in front of God. You and your people against Aharon. Again, Moshe Rabbeinu is delaying it to tomorrow, hoping that Korah will eventually change his mind. But he doesn't. Everybody will take their, their shovel. And you will place ketoret. Uh, and you'll bring it in front of God. 250. So it's going to be what we call in, uh, in, the, uh, in the Cowboys, it's going to be a showdown. Tomorrow morning, there's going to be the 250 men Korah and Aharon, each one has a shovel, each one has ketoret, and now we're going to see who God accepts. And now we get to the most dramatic uh, part of the story. The Pasuk says, everybody took their, their pan, and they put a fire on it, and they placed the incense on top of it, and they stood in front of the uh, the tent of the Mishkan. It says Korach gathered his attire, his assembly, and as she says, he started making jokes the whole night about Moshe. The guy's a terrible guy. As she says, he started making mockery of Moshe. He went to all the tribes and he says, uh, you think I'm doing this for myself? I'm doing this for all of you people. I'm, I'm representing everybody. Uh, these people are coming and taking all the power for themselves. He takes himself to leadership. He gives his brother the kehuna, And therefore, overnight, he was able to persuade a lot of the people. So now by the time the morning came, it was more than 250 people. Again, Korach must have been a very influential type of guy. He must have had a lot of money, which it says he did. And he was a smart guy. And he had a lot of clout. And therefore, he was able to persuade the people. What happens? The sixth richest man in the world? Yeah, exactly. Uh, after, uh, after Bill Gates. So the next morning, it says, uh, the cloud of glory came down on the people. Hashem comes down to Moshe and to Aaron. He says, That's amazing pasuk. God says to Moshe and Aaron, Move away from these people. Separate yourselves. Move away. It's dangerous now. I'm going to destroy them in a minute, in a second. 
Now God, again, remember what happened with the golden calf? He said the same thing. Leave me alone, I'll destroy them in a second. Now he's saying the same thing to Moshe. Move away, and I will destroy them in a moment. And now B'nai Yisrael were in trouble. Because this was the fourth sin that they committed. Remember we learned last week? They did the mitonenim, they complained. And then they did the, um, the sin of the... Um, uh, exactly, the Meragilim, the spies. And they also did the sin that they went away from uh, Har Sinai. And now they're doing the sin of Korah. So they have, and Miriam's Lashonara. So they have a bunch of sins in a row. So God said, that's it. I'm going to destroy them in a second. So Moshe Rabbeinu is going to make a prayer. Moshe Rabbeinu says, El God who knows the thoughts of every man. And therefore, you know exactly what the people are, are thinking. And why does he mention that? So that she says, your attribute is not like the attribute of a regular king. A regular king that, let's say, uh, the people revolt against them. The king doesn't know who revolts, so he has to kill everybody. But you know who revolts. You know who the sinners are. So you don't have to kill everybody. You could just kill the, the sinners themselves. If one man sins, is, the, is God going to get angry at the whole nation? Punish him. So Kadosh Baruch Hu said to Moshe, you spoke correctly. I know exactly who sinned, and I know exactly who didn't sin, and therefore, those are the ones that are going to get punished. So God says to Moshe, Speak to the people and tell them, Move away from the, uh, the dwelling or the assembly of Korah and Datam Abiram. Moshe got up and he went to Datam Abiram. Speaks to the people, Suruna. Suruna means move away. From these wicked people, don't even touch them. Because lest you uh, be uh, destroyed uh, with them. Now the Pasuk says, Everybody moved away. So now it's just Datamba uh, Abiram and um, and uh, and Korah. Rabbi, what was this different than Han Sinai, where he wanted to destroy everybody, and we know that not everybody participated in it, was only the Eretz Israel? A- answer is that over here already the Jews, like I told you, committed four sins. And the uh-huh. rule is, once already you commit four sins, then God already punishes even for a small infraction. So therefore, this is coming after, you know, a, a host of sins that they committed. So therefore, God was saying, at a time of danger, if a person has sins in his uh, portfolio, he could God, be taken through. He could take the innocent guy also. And they're, and they're not so innocent because they have sins. So therefore, Moshe had been had to pray for God to not punish the, the other people for the other sins that they committed. Just Korah. That's what it says. 
Um, now watch what's going to happen. This is earth-shattering events, no pun intended. Uh, they came out uh, arrogantly. And the Pasuk says, I'm reading the Pasuk, I'm just turning the page over here. They were with their wives, they were with their sons, and they were with their children. So everybody was there. From here we learned a lesson. This is probably the most important lesson of the night. Look how dangerous it is to be involved in mahlokit. Because what's going to happen now is because Korah involved himself in mahlokit, God punished not only Korah, who was an adult, he punished his children, babies, even nursing children. From here you see when you get involved in mahlokit, a person is putting his children in danger. Bori Olam can tolerate some sins. But when people get involved in fighting, especially in families, when they're fighting in business and so on and so forth, or mahlokin in families, they don't realize that okay, they think they're going to win. But in the interim, there's casualties. And the casualties are not the ones that you think. All of a sudden, God forbid, a child gets sick. And they don't think that it's happening because there's mahlokin. A lot of times when people come to me, say, Rabbi, there's a child in the family, came down with something. So they think I'm going to tell them, okay, go check the mezuzot. Yeah, that's always the first, uh, the first uh, uh, um, uh, culprit. We like to blame it on the mezuzah. But a lot of times, it's not, it's not the mezuzah's fault. I, like, I tell them, are you having a mahluk with anybody? Yeah, I'm fighting with my uh, cousins. I'm fighting with my brother. Break the mahluk. They say, what does that got to do with anything? You learn from Korah. Because Korah was involved in a mahluk. It even affected the babies. So it puts the whole family in sakana. That's why whenever you have a chance to diffuse a mahloka, it's, uh, it's well worth your time. There's nothing more toxic. There was one rabbi called Haim Palachi. He said, if you see two people fighting, don't even walk down the street because the tumah is so strong in that place. It'll... Uh, you know, it'll contaminate the person. Of course, the street. We'll, we'll, we'll walk on the other side. So now it says, uh, normally God only punishes people from 20 years and up. But when it came to the story of Korah, he even punished, like I said, nursing babies. And Moshe, and now Moshe Rabbeinu says, With this you will know, that God has sent me. I did not uh, do this from my heart. Because that was Korah was saying. Yeah, you're deciding all these things on your own. You decided to give Aaron, your brother, a job. Uh, you decided to give uh, the younger cousin a job. You're doing everything on your own, Moshe. Moshe Rebbeinu says, now you will know. This was not from my own heart. If these people will die a natural death, a normal death, and the destiny of all men will be visited onto them. If they die a regular death, then God didn't send me. However, uh, if uh, God will create a new creation that never happened before, 
and the ground will open up. And will swallow them and all that belongs to them, which is something that is a, a new type of a creation. And they will go into the earth alive. They'll get, like we say, swallowed alive. Then it'll be known that these people have provoked God. So Moshe Rabbeinu uh, is now saying that if they die naturally, I'm wrong. He's making an ultimatum. But if something happens out of the ordinary, in this case, he's asking that the ground open up, then it'll be known that I was sent from God. After Moshe Rabbeinu finished speaking his words, this is what happened. The ground opened its mouth. And the ground swallowed them. Not only them, swallowed their homes. And all the people belonging to Korach, and even the, the assets, all the monies of Korah got swallowed in the ground itself. And then it says, them and everything that belonged to them, they went into the grave alive. As a matter of fact, it says one of the rabbis knew exactly where Korah was buried. And he went to the place and he put his ear to the ground and he heard Korah screaming from the, uh, from the abyss and under the ground. Moshe emet, emet. Moshe is truthful and his Torah is truthful. But he's saying that from underground. And it is says... This the, is this the first time... Is this the first time, Rebbe? I'm sorry. Is this the first time we hear of the ground opening? Yes. Absolutely. First time. So there's nothing... He said, I want... Right. I want something to happen that never happened before to show that this is, you know, from God. And all the Jewish people, the people that were there, they ran away. When they heard the ground crack open, it was a scary sound. It was like a... You know, I can hear a roaring thunder. The ground cracked open and was such a, a intimidating sound that everybody ran away. They said, We're worried that the, the ground might swallow us. Now listen to this. A fire came out from God. Uh, the fire actually that was in the fiery pens with the ketoret, uh, it actually exploded on them. And then it burnt them. But So the 250 uh, people that brought the ketoret, so they got burnt. So you had a few, few punishments over here. Korach and all his family, they got swallowed underneath the ground. The guys who were bringing the ketoret, they got burnt to death.
How many people total? Right. So we have at least 250 men that we know. And then Korah. No, we really don't know numbers, but it was a significant amount, but nobody survived it. And now we're going to have to figure out what to do with all these fiery pens. We have now 250 metal pens that the Ketorah was brought on. That's a false Ketorah, obviously, because these people were not Kwanim. And they all died. So now the question is, what to do with the pens? So that's going to be the subject of uh, tomorrow night, exactly what God says to do with the metal from the pens of these Meklibek uh, Ketorah. And as was mentioned by one of our members, we're going to learn about the uh, sticks uh, and the uh, almonds. So we got some good stuff coming up, but at least Bode Olam uh, proved once and for all uh, that uh, Moshe is emet and his Torah is emet. And you see, anybody that comes against Moshe Rabbeinu and the Torah is going to get uh, going to get pushed back to the highest uh, to the highest level. Okay, beautiful learning for Hayat Sarabat Simcha. I wish our members uh, a good night and Laila Tov at Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. beautiful. Really good stuff. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. Without them, we would not learn a simple text and, and, and just getting it as she how you're learning the parashas. No, no, no. Uh, we're not saying too, too much Hindushim, but limiting us, we're controlling ourselves not to say Hindushim. Otherwise, we get we won't be able to do one pasu. Just read read the text and get simple shot and she. Otherwise, you know, one of these pasukim we could talk for three hours, but I'm controlling myself not to get lost in the in the uh, outer space of the of the of the Hindushim. So the members will get a, a basic, you know, pshat. pshat. Some people don't even know what the parasha, about the fiery pans, about the ketoret, about the basic, basic understanding of the parasha. There's a value in that. There's a value in that. So we're at the parashat Korah, and we're learning and we are up to the part where we learned last night where the 250 men took the fiery pans with the ketore, and uh, the fire came down and consumed them. And Korach and all his cohorts got swallowed uh, under the ground, them, their children, their wives, and all, the, uh, all their assets. And now the question is, what are they going to do with these fiery pans. So the pasuk begins, by the bear of the royal Moshe Lemor, Emor el-Azar ben Aharon Kohen. Speak to el-Azar, the son of Aharon Kohen. And let him take the pans from amongst the fire. The eta'esh and the uh, regarding the fire, kikadeshu. So what happens is uh, the fire that was in the pans, you should move it away to the ground, uh, empty it out. Kikadeshu, as she says, that the pans became holy, and they're forbidden to have any benefit from it. 
Why? Because they were used as what's called klisharet. They were used as a service, which means once God said to put ketoret in these pans, so now they become holy, and therefore they have a status of kedusha. So now the pasuk says etamachtot ha'chataim ha'ele, the pans of these sinners benafshotam ve'asu otam. You should make from them thinned out, meaning of, of metal, and use it to be a covering on the Mizbeah. Because they were used as a sacrifice in front of Hashem, and they became holy. So now we're learning that they actually um, use these uh, these pans, I guess we'll call them. They took the metal of it and they use it as a plate on the copper mizbeah. Now we learned that these uh, these uh, uh, pans were made out of copper, and therefore they used it in order to plate the Copper Mizbeah. And what was the lesson over here? The Copper Mizbeah was in the open. So that's the Gemara, the Pasuk says, it'll stand as a sign to the Jewish people that they'll remember what Korach did and his punishment. punishment. So again, this is going to be like a testimony for the people that they should not uh, repeat the sin of Korah. So Elazar the Kohen took the, the uh, copper pans, that they brought, those that got burnt, and he thinned them out into sheets, and it became a covering to the Mizbeah. It is a, a reminder, the Bnei Israel to the Jewish people, the Ma'an in order, that a stranger, that is not from the family of Aharon, who, so everybody will remember, look what happened to these people that were not from the tribe or the family of Aharon, they tried to bring a ketoret. And they ended up getting burnt. Uh, and in order that it should deter people from being like uh, Korah and his uh, and his and his and his uh, assembly. And as Moshe Rabbeinu was told by God regarding Aharon, uh, God spoke to Moshe that only Aharon and his children will be Kohanim, and therefore anybody that is a stranger that's not from the family, uh, they, cannot, uh, they cannot serve. So that will be the, uh, the memorial over here. And uh, that she comes along and says that um, there's a Midrash that says that anybody that argues on the uh, Kihuna, 
like Korah, that they're going to get sarat. Just like Moshe Rabbeinu was stricken on his hand when he was by the burning bush, and he said, you know, how do I know the Jewish people are going to listen to me? So God said, why are you speaking about the people? And his hand became filled with leprosy uh, like snow. And therefore, the Pasuk is coming to say that just like uh, Moshe Rabbeinu got leprosy, I'm reading the Pasuk, that just like the hand of Moshe became leprosy when he spoke about the Jewish people, so to anybody that speaks about Aharon will get leprosy as well. So that's the Biyad Moshe. It's, uh, it's going to happen, you know, the, uh, uh, the same punishment that Moshe's hand got so too the people will get if they speak against the kihuna. Well, what do you think happened the next day? The Jewish people started to complain. What are they complaining about now? You caused the uh, nation to die. You killed the nation. And now the people, the nation, gathered against Moshe and and they turned to the tent of meeting. The cloud of Hashem was on it. So that was an indication they should enter. So they entered the Ohel Moed. Now it's going to get worse. God says, separate yourself from this uh, people. And God says, I will destroy them in an instant. Because now they, well, they're complaining, they're blaming it on Moshe. So they fell on their faces. Take the mahtav, the uh, pen. And and place on it a fire, from the mizbeach, v'sim ketoret, and put ketoret v'holech mehera el ha'eda, and go bring it in front of the people v'chiper alehim. Now this is a big hadush over here that Moshe um, Rabbeinu received this secret from the Malach Mavit when he went up to get the Torah. The Malach HaMavet told them that anytime there's a plague on the people, bring the Ketoret, and the Ketoret will stop the plague. So now there was a plague ensuing in the Jewish people. God was punishing them because they were complaining against Moshe after the story of Korah. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, hurry up, go bring a Ketoret, and the plague will stop. Uh, the anger of God already has gone out. The, the plague has started. Now, if you remember, a few years ago, we had uh, corona. Uh, I'm sure our members heard about that. Uh, COVID, as they call it, whatever you want to say. And uh, if you remember, uh, we had a program online for a couple of days during the height of it, where we did the tikkun of the ketoret. Uh, it's probably online somewhere, where we read the ketoret uh, in different ways, forwards and backwards and with different kavanot uh, because the Arizal said that even today, if God forbid there's a plague or there's somebody that's sick or there's troubles, 
if you read the Ketoret, the Ketoret has the ability to ward away the, uh, the sickness uh, and the plagues. It, it works even uh, until today. And we, we learned that from this week's Perasha. It's Moshe Rabbeinu says, hurry up, run and bring the Ketoret, and uh, the plague will stop. Listen, like Moshe Rabbeinu told him, he ran to the congregation, and the people were dying. The plague had started. He placed the ketoret on the pan, and he atoned on the people. And he stood between the dead and the uh, living. Now this is uh, a beautiful little piece of story that happens here, that as she says, the uh, Aharon was standing and people were dying and he's standing just watching this happen. So he grabbed the angel of death. Look how great these Sadiqim are. Aharon can grab the angel of death. And as she says, he made him stand still against his will. So the Malach said, leave me alone. I'm going to do my mission. God told me to go kill the people. I'm performing my mission. So Aharon said, well, Moshe commanded me to stop you. So the angel said, I am working for God. I'm a messenger from God. And you're only a messenger of Moshe. Moshe is, uh, uh, does not have any... Uh, so, Amarlo, so Aharon answers back, and Moshe omer klum melibo. Moshe never says anything on his own heart, from himself. And therefore, if Moshe Rabbeinu told me to take the ketorah, he must have heard it from God. So you're telling me you heard it from God to go kill the people, but I'm telling you I heard it from Moshe, who must have also heard it from God to come and uh, stop it. And therefore, he says, And if you don't believe me, and God is there as well. And that's why the Pasuk says, that um, Aharon returned to Moshe with the Malachim Mavet. Say, here, here he is. He told me to do it, and he must, been told, he must have told me to do it because it was sanctioned from God himself. So that was the uh, first interpretation. The second interpretation, as she says, why did he say to stop a plague with the Ketoret? The Jewish people were complaining about the Ketoret, and they were saying, it's a deadly poison. A lot of people died through the Ketoret. The children of Aaron died when they're bringing the Ketoret. Now 250 people just died bringing the Ketoret. So now God wanted to say, you want to see it's a deadly poison? Actually, it's not. It's a healing. And therefore, go bring the Ketoret, and you'll see that it'll stop the uh, Magifah. It'll, it'll stop the plague. And now, you can't believe it, but how many people died in this plague? By you, Ametim, by Magifah, altogether, Arba'a, Asar, Aleph, Oelef, Ushpameot. So it's 14,700 people. Not including the people that died in Korah's uh, family, in Korah's uh, group. 
That's a lot of people. Vayashov, Aharon, El Moshe, El Pentah Moed, Moshe Rabbeinu was in Ohel Moed with God. Aharon went back, like we don't went to Satan, to show the Satan that God sanctioned it. Vayamagifan, the Atzara, and the plague, the plague stopped. So that's a uh, uh, very, very, very important what Aharon did here. If he wouldn't have brought the Ketore, the plague would have continued. And it would have been much more than 14,700, even though that's an amazing amount of people to die in one, one day. So it was a te- terrible, terrible tragedy. I mean, we don't have tragedies like that. That's like from the Holocaust, 14,000 Jews dying in one day. Uh, because again, uh, they were complaining against God regarding the issue of Korah. Now what's going to happen in the next class is God is going to tell Moshe that we need to prove to the people once and for all that Aharon is the chosen one and nobody else. And therefore he's going to tell them uh, to take some sticks and they're going to put the sticks in the Ohed Moed and every tribe is going to put the names on the sticks, including Aharon, he'll put the name on his stick, tribe of Levi. And tomorrow morning, whichever stick uh, flourishes and blossoms and produces fruit, which is a miracle overnight, so then we'll know that tribe is the chosen one. I don't want to but tell you... Then, that does, does that number mean it, mean anything special? 14,700? I mean, it's just uh, an odd... I'm sure, I'm sure it's a, a tikkun for 14,700 other people that did not have it although I can't tell it okay. to you uh, off the spot, but yes, I'm sure that number... 14,700 is, uh, is, uh, is significant. I wonder how many people together it was because there was also the Korah people. So they died also. There was a lot of, uh, lot of, lot, lot, lot of tragedy uh, that was brought. So again, uh, let's stay tuned tomorrow night. We'll learn about the story of the sticks and the uh, blossoming almonds. Uh, these classes And we wish our aid. If we ask you I wish all our members <laughs> and we have Parashat uh, Korah. And uh, we have uh, we have the story now that they took the fiery pans and they uh, cut them down and they made them a uh, plating of the Mizbeah. That's what we left off last night. And now we're going to talk about uh, the next story, which is in Perek Yud Zayin Pasuk Tet Zayin. By the Bera, the one Moshe Lemor, the Bera B'nai Israel. So speak to the people. Vekach me'itam, take from them mate mate, a staff, a stick. Lebet av to each family. Me'et kol. From each of the presidents of the tribe, Shenem Asar or Shenaim, no, Shenem Asar Mato, 12 sticks, Ish et Shemo Tichtov al Mateo, and everybody should write their name on the stick. Now we're going to see what they're going to do with them. And the Pasuk says, Ve'et Shem Aharon Tichtov al Mate Levi. And on the stick of Levi, you will write the name of Aharon. Kimate Echad, 
לראש בית אבותם. Now, even though that she says that the tribe of Levi was broken up into two parts, the Kohanim and the Leviim, but they're going to be counted as one for this purpose. So they only get one stick, one name. The name is Aharon. Now what do you do with them? You should place them in Ohel Mo'ed. In front of the Edut, which is the Aron, the Ark. Where I uh, meet before you. The one that I chose. Yifrach. His uh, stick will, Yifrach means will uh, blossom. Sprout. And as a result, it will silence the complaints upon me, upon B'nai Israel, that they are complaining uh, regarding you. Moshe So he tells B'nai Israel the plan. So each one of the presidents or the princes gave a stick. Shenem Asar Matot altogether, there was 12, uh, 12 staffs. And they put Aharon's in the in the middle. Uh, they put it in the middle, as she says, so the people uh, won't say that uh, because they put it on the side, close to the Shekhinah, that's why it flourished. So they put it uh, equidistant away. You know, if they put it, put it on the edge, so it's also because it's closer to the Aron, that's why it flourished. So Moshe didn't want anybody to question the uh, the miracle. So therefore, there's be no, uh, there be no, uh, it's, it's above scrutiny. So therefore, he put it in the middle so nobody could say it was closer and so on and so forth. Now watch what happens. It was the next day. So Moshe enters the Ohel Ha'edut, the Tent of Meetings. And behold, the staff of Aharon blossomed. Now that's amazing, the fact that it can blossom overnight. And then, not only did it blossom, and it, uh, it brought forth a uh, a bud. And not only that, Vayatzes seats. Seats is the, um, like a, uh, like a bud. So, and then what happened? The Pasuk says, Vayigmol Shekedim. And all of a sudden, Ammons came on the stick. So that was a, a miracle over here. That the, uh, the stick of Aharon uh, already produced almonds. Now the question is, why almonds? Why not, uh, I don't know, oranges? Why not something else? So that she says, Because it's the fruit that normally develops quicker than all other fruits. It's a normal, it's a fruit that's very, that's very fast in its uh, development. And, uh, the, uh, the lesson over here is, is that just like the almond is the quickest to blossom, 
from all the fruits. So to anybody that objects the kehuna like Korah did, his punishment will come quickly as well. So they were just like this is a fruit that blossoms quickly. The punishment for those that question Aharon and the Kohanim and the family, their punishment is going to be hastened uh, and come quickly as well. So Moshe Rabbeinu took out the sticks and he gave them back. Uh, everybody saw and everybody took their uh, their sticks back. Go take Aharon's stick and put it back. Leave it there for a testimony for safekeeping. The ot has a testimony. The bnei Mary. As a bnei Mary, Mary is the rebellious ones. That anybody that you know will see the stick of Aharon will be reminded of the rebellion that took place. So now we have two different commemorations so far of this event. The first commemoration that the people will remember is the stick of Aharon. Anybody remember what the second commemoration is when they're going to see something? Yeah, the pen. The pen of the Ketoret. Got, got it. That's it. Pay the lady five cents. That's, <laughs> that's the answer. The answer is the pens. We said that they cut it down and they plated it on the Mizbeah. So it seems that this is such an important story that you need to remember it. So we have the Commemoration of the Mizbech and Nehoshet, plus Aharon's, uh, Aharon's stick. And they'll stop uh, complaining uh, against me. And when they see this stick over here, uh, they'll remember that God says, I chose Aharon to be the Kohen, and they'll no longer complain on the Kehunah, therefore they will, not, they will not die. I will not punish them. And Moshe exactly as he was told, he placed the stick of Aharon back in the tent of meeting. So now the people were uh, concerned. So the people were worried because they were dying. And they said, is it over? You know, because there was a plague and there's people that got swallowed underneath the ground. So now they were uh, concerned that they shouldn't uh, die anymore because the rule is that anybody who comes close to the Aron and the places that he's not allowed to go, <clears throat> so there's a, a, death, a death penalty. <clears throat> So they told Moshe, It's hard for us to be careful. All of us are permitted to They're able to enter the courtyard. But if somebody by mistake puts himself closer than his fellow, So they were, uh, they realized that it's, it's almost impossible because it was such a, I guess, a small area that uh, some people might enter the areas that they are not allowed. 
which means, uh, does God want us to die? So they were asking uh, God, or asking Moshe, what are we supposed to do with this restriction that we can't go into the Ohel Moed, to the inner areas, but we're worried that since we can go into the outer areas by mistake, we might, uh, you know, meander into the forbidden areas, and therefore uh, we have, uh, we're going to die. Therefore, what does God want from us? Your family So they told Aharon, spoke to Moshe to speak to Aharon uh, that they have the uh, the obligation to take precautions that the Jewish people don't get into trouble, that they shouldn't enter the Mikdash. So they needed to really be the security guards of the Mishkan to make sure B'nai Yisrael doesn't trespass. And who's in charge? Which is referring to the children of Kehat. We know that Kehat, uh, the children of Kehat, Avi Amram, who was the father of uh, Amram. And they will be in charge of the uh, Mikdash, the Surat Avon Mikdash. She says, Alehem Animatil Onish Tazarim. So the punishment is uh, on them if non Kohanim enter. So therefore, only the Levim are able to carry the Ohel, the Aron, the Ark, the Shulchan, the table, So you have to sit and warn everybody that the non-Kohanim who touch these articles are going to be punished by death. She says, uh, which means, and also, you must warn the Levi'im the things that they're not allowed to do either. Not everything the Levi'im are allowed to do. You have to tell the Levi'im that they cannot encroach as well. So everybody basically has their service. The Levi'im have to warn Israel not to come close to touch the vessels. And the Kohanim have to warn the Levi'im not to come close and do the service that they're not allowed to do. So everybody's responsible uh, for each other. The tribe of Levi will be with you. And they will escort you. They will minister with you. Now, one of the services that she says is um, uh, that the Levim do is Vishartucha. What does Vishartucha mean? They were in charge of the gates. So they were the gatekeepers of the Mikdash and the Mishkan. And they also appointed Gizbarim. Gizbarim are like clerks to collect the monies of the Beit HaMikdash. Amarkelin are like managers to take care of the affairs of the uh, Bet HaMikdash. All that was done by the Nevi uh, family. So that's what it means, Vishantucha, that they're in charge of uh, uh, ministering uh, the Mishkan, the Bet HaMikdash. Now the Pasuk says, Vishamiru uh, Mishmartecha, and they will uh, safeguard uh, your charge, literally it means, 
אל כלי הקודש ולמזבח לא יקרב. ודקנת קם, מנגנון כהנים, דקנת קם קלוסטר לכלי הקודש, דרך וסלס, ולא ימותו גם הם, גם אתם. So the Torah is warning that um, they have an obligation to make sure that no strangers come in to areas that they are not allowed. And then it says, will preserve the holiness of the, of the Mishkan, the altar, and there will be no more anger like there was uh, on the Jewish people. And behold, I'm taking your brothers, the Levim amongst the Jewish people, and um, they're going to get uh, the gift of working and appointing the managers, as we said, and you, your children, Aharon, will preserve your kehuna regarding the service of the mezbeah or the beta paroch and inside the curtain. And any stranger that comes close, you might will die. Okay. Now we start to learn. This is uh, one of the gifts that God gave Aharon this week's parasha. Uh, he gave him, uh, anytime you see the word, uh, when it says, uh, so God says, I'm giving this to you in a joyous uh, way. What do you give? So that she says, um, whenever you see the word, means that God is happy. In this case, but where do you see a similar uh, a story like this? So it says uh, there's a mashal to a king that gave his um, gave a field to his uh, friend. But they didn't write and sign documents of the transfer. They didn't go to the courts either. So a guy came and he protested. He said, oh, that field belongs to me. So the Amar Melech, so the king says to his close friend, Kol yavo. anybody that wishes to come, we are wants to protest against you, I'll write a document of transfer. can bring it to the courts. Afkan, came along and questioned the Kehuna, and he questioned Aaron. So therefore God said, God gave Aaron a gift in this week's parasha, 24 matanot kehuna, the 24 gifts of the priesthood. Plus, he gave him a special brit that's called brit melah. That's the covenant of salt, which we'll learn about. And it's coming to teach us that why now did God give the gifts to Aharon? Because Korah was questioning it. So it's like the guy questioning the field that the king gave to the friend. And the king says, don't worry, I'm going to show everybody that you're the real owner. So God shows everybody that Aharon is the real chosen one by uh, giving him and offering him the 24 different gifts uh, in this week's uh, parasha. Uh, what are these uh, gifts? These gifts are the meat of the korbanot, the terumot, 
The Kohanim get the first cheerings. The Kohanim get the first fruits. The Kohanim get certain donations. They get the skins of the animals. So there's a lot of benefits that the Kohanim get, 24 in total. And the reason why it's being mentioned uh, in this week's Perashah is, again, this is the third item. So now we have three items that God is showing us that uh, Aharon and his children are the chosen one. The first sign was the Mizbah HaNehoshet, the plates. The second one we learned in this week's Perashah was the almonds on the stick of Aharon. And now God is giving the Matanot Kehuna, the 24, again, in order to show everybody that they are the, uh, are the chosen ones. Was the Nehoshet from the pans of the fire pans? No, that's separate. Yeah, yeah, what do you mean? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's the point. All right, so that, uh, there you have it. Another uh, another beautiful session of Homash with Peru session. Uh, and we do it for the Fuashlav, Haya Sarabat Simcha, Tomorrow night we start. Amen. With, with, Amen. Good evening. We start with the laws of the. Try to finish Parashat Korah. And we are. Uh, God speaks to Haron. I gave you it is referring to that you have to protect to make sure that the Tirumah is eaten in a pure way. Tirumah is the 2%. <clears throat> that the Kohen, get, that the Kohen gets from the uh, from the product, and it says It's given from Bnei Israel to the Kohanim. The Moshcha, Moshcha means Ligdula. Ligdula, as she explains, means for greatness to give greatness to the Kohanim. And also goes to the Kohanim and their children. They also get from the holy of holies that come from the fire after they bring the uh, fats on the mezbeah and the fire on the mezbeah. So then they get the uh, pieces of meat. So all the korbanot, the sacrifices that they bring, <coughs> let's say, the meal offerings and the sin offerings and the guilt offerings is all different types of korbanot that are brought and the Kohanim get to eat uh, get to eat the meat. Furthermore, the Torah says uh, they also get another special gift. We learned about this. It's called Gezel Hagir. If somebody steals from a convert, now the problem of stealing from a convert is, is let's say he dies. So now the convert has no relatives because once he converts, he's not related to anybody. So who gets the money? The Kohen gets the money. That's one of the gifts that the Kohanim get. It's called Gezel Hager. Um, and then we say also, So they uh, have to eat There's certain special types of meat like Kurban Hatat, which is called Kodesh Kodeshim, it's holy of holies. And that can only be eaten within the courtyard, let's say, of the Bet HaMikdash, can only be eaten by males. Zachar, kol zachar yuchaloto, kodesh yeh.
לך. וזה לך תרומת מתנה. Now this is regarding the תרומה that uh, the Kohanim are going to get. They also get, תרומה uh, literally means a, an offering that's taken from either wheat or it's taken from a korban. Uh, and the Kohen gets uh, all uh, pieces of that. וזה לך תרומת מתנה מנכון תרופות. And this case over here, um, they get um, the children of the Kohanim, even the girls, get to eat this, so long as they are tahor, Ovirus literally means the best of the itzab, the best of the oils, the best of the wines and dagan and the grains. So they get, um, which is called Tiruma Gedola. Tiruma Gedola is, like we said, 2% of the grains, of the, of, the, of, the, of the oil, and of the wine. From the Torah, those are the only three products that are obligated in Tiruma. Tirosh, Dagan, Yitzhar. Wine, uh, Dagan is grains, and Yitzhar is uh, oil. Uh, It's a good trivia question. If you want to know in this week's Perasha, which word is written twice, at least? And that's the word Yitzhak. Korach ben Yitzhak. So his father's name was Yitzhak. Yitzhak actually is written over here. Right over here is referring to not a name of the person, but oil. That's the way they call it, uh, Yitzhak. And uh, it says... Um, Also the Bikurim. The Bikurim first fruits. You have to give to the Kohen also. Basically, Torah is listening to you over 24 different items that the Kohanim get. So long as the Tahor, you can eat it. What is Kherim? Kherim means, let's say, somebody consecrates something uh, and makes it holy. So who gets it? The Kohanim get all the consecrated items. All the firstborns. It's like Pejon Aben. The coin gets the five coins at a Pejon Aben. Or he gets the first animal that's born. Uh, he has to make a Pejon on the Pejon Adam. And also different Behemot uh, from a, let's say, a non-kosher animal. So you can't eat it, so they redeem it and give the Kohen uh, uh, the money. And when did they make the pigeon from a month old? So it's five coins. It has to be a certain measure of, uh, of silver. And then the Torah says, um, if it's a kosher animal and it's a firstborn, so then uh, you just uh, bring the bechor in damam to zrok You bring the um, the blood, you sprinkle it on the mizbeach, and you bring the fats on the mizbeach. And you give the meat of the firstborn to the kohen. The kohenim able to eat it. Their wives, their children, their slaves, they get to eat it as a korban, so you get to eat it for a limited amount of time, two days and uh, one night. 
but that's a regular animal. That's a regular korban shelamim. But a bechor is eaten the shnei yamim belaylechad. Exactly. So two bechor also two days and one night. Okay. And now comes and says. Okay. Now it says kol terumat hakodashim. So that's referring to Terumat HaKadashim. This is again talking about the Terumah, the 2% of the Kohanim get. It's not only eaten by the males, the females are able to eat as well. Or even, let's say, a Ba Israel marries a Kohen. She's able to eat Terumah as well. God also made a covenant with Aharon. Uh, it's called uh, the Brit uh, Melah, the the salt covenant, which means just like um, salt never spoils. The covenant that God made with Aharon with these twenty-four gifts is a called like a rock solid. What do they call it? Rock solid, like salt. It's rock solid, like salt, like rock, rock salt. Just like salt never decays. So they call it a salt, a salt, a salt deal, a salt covenant. Salt covenant means it's going to last uh, forever. So this is called a berit melach. It's a covenant that was cut for salt that doesn't spoil uh, forever. But one thing is that the children of Aharon, the Kwanim, do not get any land in Eretz Israel. Uh, they don't own any land. God says, I am your portion. Um, and they don't also share either in the spoils uh, of the of the war. Again, they're supported by B'nai Israel. These 24 gifts between the uh, different things that they get, that's how they live. Now regarding the Levi'im, they also get different entitlements. They would get what's called 10%, Ma'asid goes to the Levi'im, and they get paid. That's uh, in exchange for their work that they do in the Beit HaMikdash. And the Pasuk comes along and says that the Levi who works in Ohed Mo'ed, uh, they will uh, atone for the... Uh, or, or to, they, they, will be, they will be responsible to make sure that the uh, non-Kohanim do not enter the uh, the Mikdash as part of their job. It's almost like Levim are like security. They have to make sure that people do not enter in the areas that they're not allowed. Again, they're going to get the 10%. Um, and therefore, the Levim also do not get a share in Eretz Israel because they are getting the entitlements. Speak to Levim. They're going to get Maase, which is 10%. They must take an additional 10%, which is called Maase, Minha Maase. And what do they do with that additional 10%? They give it to the Kohen. So let's review again. The Israel gives 2% to the Kohen, that's called Teruma. And then he gives 10% from the product to the Levi, that's called Maase Rishon. And then the Levi takes 10% of what he got. So that's called Maaser Mina Maaser, the Maaser from the Maaser that he got. It's also called Tirumat Maaser. And he gives that 
ואותו אהרון הכהן הזה, פסוק זה מהר אמותם ממנו תרומת השם, מעשר, מן המעשר. ונחשב לכם תרומתכם, כדגן, he'll come from the grains, like we said, כגורן, וכמדעם מן היקר, like from the wines. כן, תרימו גם אתם, so to you will also, just like בני ישראל take תרומה, so to the Levim will also take מעשר, וכל מעשרותיכם אשר תקחו מאת בני ישראל, ונתתם ממנו את תרומת השם לאהרון הכהן. And you will give it to אהרון הכהן. Now, this is a very important פסוק in the פרשה. It says, and the Levim will give the תרומת מעשר to אהרון הכהן. Now, how can that be? אהרון הכהן never got מעשר from the Levim because he never went into Israel. He was, he, was, he was punished with the people that died in the Midbar for 40 years. So how can the Pasuk say, you will give the Turumah Bashem the Aharon HaKohen. How are we going to learn that? Aharon never received this. This was only received in Eres Yisrael, and Aharon did not come into Eres Yisrael, so how are we going to learn this, uh, this Pasuk over here in Abotai? It's a big problem. So the... Um, the Gemara comes along in Sanhedrin and says this is one of the sources that God is going to resurrect the dead people in the future. How do we know it? From this Pasuk. Because it says the Tiruma Ma'asir is going to be given to Aharon. Aharon's not alive. Or Aharon never got it. It must be he's going to come. There's going to be a resurrection of the dead. And when Aharon is resurrected, he once again is going to receive Tiruma. So there's a proof from the Torah that there is resurrection. So again, very important point. If anybody says, how do we know? Where is it saying in the Torah that the dead are going to come back? It is from this Pasuk. And you will give Aharon the Terumah. Aharon never got Terumah. And it must be saying you will give him in the future because he's going to come back. And even when he comes back, it seems he's coming back as a Kohen. And then it says, Ve'amarta alehem, baharimichem et chalbo memenu, ve'nechshab l'avim k'turumat goren, after the V takes his tithe and gives it to the Kohen, then he can eat the rest. He's not allowed to eat it until he gives his part to the Kohen. Now, there's another uh, item that I don't know if we mentioned, but it's also in this week's parasha, and that's what the many of the ladies get involved in. That's hala. And the Torah tells us if a lady's making let's say, a, a dough, or something like that. So the Torah says she has to take a little portion of it. In the olden days, they would give it to the Kohen. Today, we don't have Kohanim that are betahara, so they just take it and uh, and burn it. So that's another another mitzvah, which is called the sheet, Ari Sotechem, the first of the doughs. They can eat it as they wish after they give it to the Kohen. Everybody can eat it. It's the reward that God has given. Because the Kohenim work in the Beit HaMikdash and they work for free. So that's their payment. It reminds us do not make a, uh, a sin. Uh, because if you don't take the terumot, the implication is you're going to make a sin. Uh, do not uh, 
deconsecrate, deconsecrate the terumot and the different gifts you have to give to the Kohen. And otherwise, the Torah says, there'll be a death penalty, which is mitah uh, bideh shamay. So that's it. Baruch Hashem, we're able to read all the uh, pesukim of Parashat Korah. It was a good week. We had all the Rashis as well, mostly. And that's for the Fu'ashrim of Chaya Sarah, Bat Simcha. I wish you all a Shabbat Shalom. Thank you, Rabbi.